Today we're looking at some of the most difficult verses in 1 Peter. And they're difficult because they've been wrongly misunderstood and taught over the last two millennia. Much of the contentiousness of these verses has been around how people understood the word submit. People of men particularly have read verses 1 to 6 and then glossed over verse 7 as if it wasn't even there. Or even if they have read it, they're blind to what Peter's actually saying in the context of that verse. So before we read our passage today, from verses 1 to 12 of chapter 3, we've got to acknowledge three things to begin with. The first of which is this, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is men have been stupid. Men have been stupid in misunderstanding this passage as an excuse to quite literally beat their wives into submission, to do things against their will. And if not physically, then by all means, men have certainly used it as an excuse to beat their wives into submission through the abusive words that they lay on their wives. Let me make this clear. Peter is not saying use your authority, husbands, as a way to submit, to beat submission into your wife. Men, we've got to confess and acknowledge that over the last two millennia, this has sadly been the case. Men have understood this and sadly may still be the case today. The elephant in the room is quite simply this. It's been misunderstood and we need to acknowledge and confess that. The second thing we've got to acknowledge and make note of is the cultural context. Now, it's easy to read today's passage with our cultural lens and how we view things today and put that onto the text. And we fail to understand the real context, culturally speaking, that Peter was writing to and to which these recipients were living in. As I've learned this week, the Greco-Roman part of uh, the empire in Asia Minor, the way women were treated and the rights that they had is vastly different to what maybe has been taught over church's history. Here's some of the things I've learned this week. In Asia Minor, where these Gentile Christian women are living, women had these following privileges and rights daily. Women were allowed to own private businesses. Women women were allowed to serve in public office. They were allowed roles in religious cults, significant ones as well. They were allowed to vote. They were allowed to be educated. They were allowed more rights uh, in courts of law and matters of marriage and divorce. They were allowed more property rights. In other words, to put it simply, women had influence in this part of the world at this particular time Peter's writing this letter. The next thing we've got to consider is the, the hard fact that over the first few hundred years of the church's history and growth in that region, it has been mainly down to the prominent, bold, I love it, the way that women basically evangelised that whole region and often did it from the context of being married and converting their husbands because socially speaking, it was more acceptable for a woman to convert to Christianity than it was for a male. And so they did it faithfully, quietly, but they did it so persistently. And that is one of the reasons why the church grew. And I think I would want to suggest, maybe even hazard a guess, hazard a guess, I'll put it like that, that much of what Peter is saying today was heard and was recirculated among wives and women particularly 
um, and was maybe one of the reasons why the church spread so much in those first few hundred years. And then the third thing we've got to acknowledge before we come on to our passage is the textual context with which we find this passage situated. Remember, our lens through which we have to read this whole letter, verses 1 to 12 of chapter 1. You've received and inherited the living hope within you. So Peter's saying, then everything after that point, from verse 13 of chapter 1 right to the end, that is how you are to live in the light of that lens. Be holy because you are holy. You are a chosen people. And as Anne said last week, we're to submit under the government authorities, as Peter outlines, and we're to submit willingly as slaves to our masters. All of this in this first in this little section from verse 11 of chapter 2 to verse 12 of chapter 3 we're looking at today is a five mini section where Peter addresses everyone then slaves then wives then husbands and then again to everyone and he prefaces it all with the verse dear friends I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to live such good lives among the pagans that they may they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds on the day he visits us. It's all about how you live. And we'll get onto that in just a few moments. So with those three things in mind, the elephant in the room, the cultural context and the textual context, let's now read this verse, these verses, verses 1 to 12 of chapter 3 with those things in mind. Wives. In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that any, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth and value in God's sight. For this is the way that holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your lives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The third group of people that Peter addresses in this section is wives. We looked at the first two last week. Verses 1 to 6. And I want us to pull out two main things. There's more we could pull out, but I want to pull out two main things for us today. First is this, actions speak louder than words. Use your influence, Peter is saying, to submit to your husbands in such a way that your husband won't be able to speak by the view. 
Remember back in verse 12 of chapter 2, where he teased the section up, live a good life, that though people may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see something good, different, distinctive in the way that you live. Here's a universal principle that I think we can take from this whole section today. Live your life in the knowledge that it is a form of proclamation that can either affirm or deny the authenticity of the gospel and the life which you have inherited. Live in the knowledge that your life is a form of proclamation that can either affirm or deny the knowledge of the gospel which you have received and the living hope which you have inherited. It would have been way too much for Peter to say, wives, hey, at every waking moment, go to your husband who's not a Christian and say to him, here's what I believe, blah, 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 blah. Tell him the gospel every single day in your words. No, that's not where Peter leads from. Peter says, lead with actions. Actions speak louder than words. Now, don't mishear me, because as Peter comes on to say in our passage we'll look at in a couple of weeks' time, Peter says, be ready, of course, to speak with the faith of which you have within you and you believe, but lead by action. That's a way in which people will say, hang on a minute, there's something different about them and the way that they love me and the way that they're showing respect to people around. Second thing to pull out is this, inward beauty is more attractive. The way women used to dress was to have braided hair, long uh, fancy clothes, gold jewellery, all this, that sort of stuff. Today, you walk down a, a magazine aisle in a supermarket and you have a quick glance at some of the, the women's magazines that are there. And broadly speaking, you're presented with what it is to look like the perfect woman. Tanned, but not too tanned, maybe. White teeth, but not too white of teeth. Slim, but not too slim. Maybe uh, long hair, but not too long. Maybe a bit of cosmetic surgery here or there, but not too much. That's the war that wages against women's souls today. Not too dissimilar, I don't think. Peter's saying, inner beauty is far more attractive than the external superficial nature of external beauty that we try and lumber onto ourselves. Sack that right off, Peter is saying. Pursue inner beauty. That is more precious and attractive, not least in the eyes of your husband, but more importantly, in the eyes of God. And then the second group that Peter addresses in our passage today, the fourth overall in this section is husbands in verse seven. Now the NIV translation, which we've read today, is too weak. It's far too weak when it says, treat your wives with respect. The Greek word time is literally better translated as honor. In fact, Peter's saying, treat your wives with the highest degree of honor and dignity that is due to them. Peter is using this same word time, honour, in brackets, in the context of submission. And because in New Testament terms, submission is equal to in regards to equality, importance, honour and dignity. Peter's using it in the same context. Submission is consistent with dignity and honour and respect and which is due unto wives. Just a quick side note, 
Let's not forget that Peter spent three years of his life following the Lord Jesus in his every footstep, who the Lord Jesus, of course, affirmed persistently and constantly the life and worth and dignity of every single woman he came across. Now, men have perhaps read this verse in verse seven and given more airtime to that little phrase right in the middle, which I'm sure some of you jerked at, where it says, um, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Men have given far too much emphasis on that. Hey, women, you're the weaker partner. Whilst, of course, it is broadly speaking, a fact of nature that men are stronger than women. That's not Peter's point here. Peter's point is treat them with the highest degree of honour Why? Not because they're weaker. No, because they are heirs of the same gift of life that you yourself have received. Treat them because they're the same in the eyes of God as you. Treat them with dignity and honour and love them and cherish them. And thirdly, everyone he addresses in verses 8 to 12. He says, all of you, finally, all of you, not some of you, all of you. So listen up. Think of verses 8 to 12 as a little bit like this by way of an analogy. Do not be a chameleon. Don't be a chameleon. Now chameleons, as you'll see on this picture that will appear on the screen, chameleons are hard to spot. They blend their surroundings so well that it's difficult to see. Peter's saying, don't be like one of them. Be distinctive in the way that you live. Don't blend into your surroundings and the world so much that people fail to acknowledge or recognise anything significant in the way that you live your life. Allow people instead to see that you are a follower of Jesus and there is something different and distinctive about the way you live. So it begs the question then, I guess, you probably think, well, how then are we to not be like chameleons? Well, verses 8 to 12, there's 11 virtues which I was able to count. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another with deep-rooted sibling-like love. Be compassionate, be humble, do not repay evil with evil, do not repay insult with insult, repay evil with blessing. Keep your tongue from and lips from evil deceit and deceitful speech. Turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. He's saying this to everyone because it's the call to every Christian irrespective of whether you're a slave, a wife, or a husband. Live distinctively, live subversively, live lovingly to all, no matter what your status in society. So that people, if they do accuse you of doing wrong, they've got nothing to level against you. Peter was writing to wives who were mainly married to non-Christian husbands. Peter is writing to husbands who are mainly Christians themselves. And so those are the specific people he's addressing. And specifically, that might apply specifically today to specifically some of us. And if that is, process that with people in your community or your households. And if that isn't, don't just dismiss this stuff as, well, it's not me. I'm not specifically married to someone who isn't a Christian or I'm not specifically married to someone who is a Christian. Hey, there's universal principles which we can take away from everything I've said this morning. What are they? First one is this. Know that your actions speak louder than words. Second, know that inner beauty is more attractive. Third, know that we're to be more honouring 
and dignifying, showing that dignity to all people, all Christians, irrespective of who they are, particularly as Christians, because they are the same inheritance, inheritors of the gift of life that we ourselves have received. And fourth, don't be a chameleon. Pursue the 11 virtues that Peter has outlined for us. How good would it be if lots of us, if many people in fact were to see the loving way, the loving way that we shared the good news of Jesus and be that and that the means by which we share Jesus with the world. I'll end with that phrase I threw in a few moments, uh, minutes ago. Live in the knowledge that your life is a form of proclamation that can either deny or affirm the authenticity of the gospel and the inheritance to living hope which you have received. Live in the knowledge that your life is a form of proclamation. Amen.